Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluffville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We continue with our study of the Gospel of John in chapter 5, where Jesus begins to speak about the two resurrections. The resurrection of the faithful to a life eternal, and the resurrection of the evil to condemnation. Verse 28, chapter 5. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Now notice in this verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. I'm doing the will of my Father which sent me. Now in verse 31, he recognizes that the Jewish leaders and in fact those that follow the law, would never accept his own witness as being truthful. In other words, uh, as a witness to the things concerning myself, I am not considered an honest witness or a true witness unless there is someone to corroborate my story. That's why... Truth is found in the mouth of two or three witnesses, according to the Old Testament law. And so here, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of Man, the very uh, God the Son, is cognizant of the fact that he will not be believed if he only talks of himself, and he's the only one that testifies of himself. And so, he is bringing other witnesses to testify. He says, There's another that beareth witness of me, and I know the witnesses, or the that witness, uh, that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. And so he does not bear witness of himself. But uh, he says, There's other witnesses. We're going to see, verse 37, of course, the Father himself is bearing witness. When the Lord defends his messianic claim before these Jews who denies that he is the Messiah, he accepts the biblical rule of evidence, Numbers 35 and Deuteronomy 17, those two witnesses that I said, um, 
And he's saying, if I bear witness of myself, you won't believe me, so let me tell you of others. Verse 33, you sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth, but I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light, that is, in the light of John the baptizer. Uh, Verse 36, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. He's speaking to the leaders, the rulers of the Jews. He's speaking to the Pharisees, to the Sanhedrin, to the Sadducees as well that are there in that body of leadership. He says, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, ye will receive him. Him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not to honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Down to verse 47 of chapter 5. Christ is getting their attention. One commentator said the six possible witnesses are the following. These are in John. Himself, if he claimed to witness of himself, but he did not. And then later he did claim that in chapter 8, verse 14, but he did not in this passage. So there are five. John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, depending on how you wish to refer to him, was a witness uh, there in those verses. His works or miracles, his sign gifts, the signs themselves are witness. Uh, The Father witnessed to his sonship. The scriptures bear witness to him. And then Moses wrote of him. So those are the witnesses that are beyond himself and that he claims to have as his witnesses. And so it is that the witnesses are far greater than one or two. Uh, When we see the witnesses of Christ, they are more than the two that are required. Who are they again? Let's look at it. Uh, We see John the baptizer. We see the works of Christ. We see the Father, God himself, witnessing to him. The scriptures bearing witness to him. And Moses writing of him. And if you believed Moses, he says, you would know of me because he wrote of me. 
Moses wanted you to know about me. How can you believe about others and receive honor from people and have them receive honor from you when they are just receiving honor from people, from human beings, but you will not even receive the witness of me, Christ says. Well, you see, the reason that they don't receive the witness and they don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is because they have not the love of God in them. Verse 42, But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. Now that is a stinging rebuke, especially for the Pharisees, because the Pharisees consider themselves to be the purest of all people in Judaism. They consider themselves to be perfect followers of the law. However, we know better. We know that no one followed the law except Christ himself. He followed the law. In fact, we're told that he fulfilled the law. In fact, he did. And that's why there is no need for sacrifices in this day. Because Christ himself fulfilled the law. Not only did he work through the law and never transgress the law, he himself fulfilled the law. And that was the very important thing that he did. In chapter 5, here at the last part, we see these witness of Christ. John, the baptizer, the works of Christ, the Father, the Scriptures, Moses, all of them providing that witness of this one who is called Messiah. And yet, the Jewish leaders refused to believe. How much did it take for you to hear or for you to know or for you to understand before you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Think back to that time, if indeed you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, then don't worry about answering this. Let's get you to be at the point of coming to faith in Christ. But if you have already placed your faith in Christ, what did it take for you to do that? I know some people that struggled mightily for a long time. I know of others that very simply accepted the fact that Jesus was who he said he was, and they believed on him and received the gift of salvation. And I don't know what your situation was. I know what mine was. I was a very young person when I came to Christ, a youngster. And I placed my faith in Christ easily, and yet uh, tenaciously I held on, but didn't realize how he was holding on to me. And so this thing of assurance of salvation was hard for me as a child. And then as I grew up and learned a little more and Taught uh, and learned more from teachers 
that I respected and admired and spent time in the Word, then I found that assurance in God's Word that I needed. But for some people, the way to faith in Christ is a long journey. For these Pharisees, they refused to take the journey because they refused to take the first step. And the first step is to point yourself toward Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now let's go to chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Sea of Galilee had a lot of names. Uh, it was even called the Great Sea at one time, but uh, the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias are the same. Uh, the Sea of Gennesaret, it was also called that. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Now, we've not had that many accounts given in the book of John. We've had a few here. We had the one at the um, Pool of Bethesda. We had the one with the nobleman's son. But apparently there were miracles that were done far beyond the number that John puts uh, in these first five uh, chapters of the gospel. So this great multitude followed him because they had seen his miracles. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now notice that Jesus was a first-class, in fact, preeminent leader, far beyond that of anybody else, because he was God. He was preparing his followers. Philip was a personal worker, as was Andrew. And he went to Philip. He said to Philip, where are we going to be buying this bread that all these can eat? They're going to be hungry. And this was a test. He knew what he was going to do, but he wanted Philip to think it through. Good leaders will do that. They will ask their subordinates what they think about something, even though they know what they're going to be doing, and they hope that they get an answer that will show some sign of uh, maturity. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread, that is 200 uh, days' wages, is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, and this is the personal worker above all personal workers, uh, he says, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about five thousand. This is men. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed, uh, distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. 
Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. Isn't it interesting? It was a miracle of feeding them fleshly food. Feeding them earthly food, making their stomachs full, that made them know that he was a miracle worker. He was a prophet. It wasn't his preaching. It was the fact that he fed them. Something's wrong with that picture, isn't it? Well, yeah, really. Uh, if you are looking for the material things, you're looking for the, the food of this world, the food and drink of this world, you're looking for the wrong things when you look toward Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that he won't feed you. But that's not what you're supposed to be searching for, looking for. No, no, we're supposed to be seeking after righteousness. We're blessed if we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, we're told that uh, by Christ uh, that all the things that are needed will be given to us, added unto us is the scriptural phrase, but will be given to us when we need them, but not because we seek after them, but because we seek after Christ Jesus himself. That is what gives us uh, the wonderful blessing, is seeking after Christ, not seeking after things. And these people missed it. Um, I'm going to reserve perhaps a little time to come back at another juncture and talk more about this, and perhaps we will. But I want to um, call your attention to the fact there was a multitude there. They were following Christ because of his miracles, the signs that he had done. And so he went up into this mountain area, this, uh, this high area, so he could speak. And uh, so he could teach them, and yet he knew they were hungry. And he wanted to make sure that they were fed. How could you do that? There were no no um, delicatessens nearby, no um, diners nearby. In fact, there was no food nearby. And yet Philip proposed he'd go somewhere and find some food if they had enough money and give everybody a snack, give them a, a piece of bread or something, just a little piece. But Andrew, the uh, personal worker, went out and found a young boy who was willing to give of his lunch. How he found him, I don't know, but he found him. Probably the youngster had already eaten three of the sardines before he ever got there. They were probably smoked fish. And uh, by today's standard, that would be pretty rough eating. And the barley loaves were the loaves and, and food of the common person. And barley was a hard kind of, um, of um, a meal and uh, it uh, or flour. And it was a very difficult to, to digest kind of thing. It was a lot of roughage, and so it made you feel full. And that's why the barley loaves were well-liked. It uh, certainly fed them. 
And so here was this little boy with five barley loaves, about the size of your fist, probably, and two small fish, probably sardine-like, smoked, maybe a little bigger, maybe tilapia, small tilapia, not the big ones. And Philip, excuse me, Andrew asked the question, what is this among so many? He said, now, Lord, I've found this, but what value is this? And Jesus didn't answer that. He just told them what to do, make the men sit down. And so 5,000 men plus women and children sat down. He took the loaves and prayed. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And when they were finished feeding over 5,000 men, women, and children beyond the 5,000 men, they had 12 huge baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves and the fish. Wow. You see, Christ always provides. Christ always provides. He will never leave you without. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.